Good evening, everybody. I have to admit something, and that is I have greatly struggled with tonight's message um, for quite a while. You know, what does the Lord want me to speak on? And uh, still not sure. <laughs> so you're going to have to help me on this one. Um, just real quickly, uh, as I was sitting there, I got a, a text from our brother Larry Price. Uh, he This weekend, he was uh, in central Florida, frostproof Florida, and they... Uh, he was doing the tabernacle. He's setting up the tabernacle. And uh, we were talking back and forth this week on, you know, what is your assembly doing with this virus thing and, and all that sort of thing. And he was giving me some things that he, his thoughts of his. Um, and uh, he was concerned about how many people would attend the conference that uh, they had lined up. It was a Friday night and and that sort of thing. It was all uh, lots of other uh, concerns. But uh, he said, I preached with the large model of the tabernacle. 95% of the attendees were seniors. And it was packed every night. Interesting. You would think that they might be the ones that would stay, stay away. But so he was very encouraged. Have any of you noticed anything different going to the stores? <laughs> Why are you laughing? Um, it, it was incredible. I, uh, Saturday I went out just for just a couple small items. You know, I already know that there's no toilet paper. I already knew that. Uh, and so I went into um, a Ralph's over there off of uh, Haven and uh, Went back there, and sure enough, the, th the items that I wanted, they were there. So I picked them up, and I looked around, and every single aisle was lined up with people with full baskets waiting to get to the two cashiers. Okay? I thought, this is insane. So I turned around, went back, put my items back, and walked out the door. Uh, and you, you think about this. And I'll tell you, um, a lot of things come to my mind. First of all, the opportunities that are there to be able to share the gospel. Um, I was in one, I, from there I went to a couple other stores and I, I finally ended up at one store where I could get some uh, ground, ground meat, some hamburger. And uh, there was a, I walked right up to the counter. It was kind of great. I looked in the, uh, behind the, the sneeze guard they got there, and there was, no, there was no hamburger there. And so I asked the guy in the back, uh, behind the counter, I said, do you have any hamburger? He's, he's kind of smiling. He says, how much do you want? I said, well, you know, 10 pounds. <laughs> And he says, he went, went into the, the back room, came out with this big, huge roast, put it on the meat grinder, ground it there right for me, right? And I'm just, I'm, I was amazed. And so he's halfway through, and I thought, uh, can you make that 20? <laughs> he smiled, he says, sure. And uh, a fresh ground meat, and it was 
really good quality stuff, and uh, the price was pretty good. Um, you can ask me later where I got it. Um, but while, while I was standing there, there was a, a young man there, and uh, he was looking through, and he was picking out some meat and everything, and we got talking. And uh, I found out that he's a reporter, and he reports on court cases. And he says, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm out of a job right now. He says, There's, the court's shut down. And so um, it was interesting, and uh, we were talking, and I said, uh, I said, what do you think about this, this virus thing? And he says, oh, man, he says, it is incredible. And I said, you know, you know, there's something worse than this? And he looks at me, he says, really? I said, oh, yeah, there's something way worse than this. And he says, well, what's that? And I said, well, that's dying without Christ. It's way worse. I've had a couple uh, um, opportunities and the one thing I just want to say before I get into what uh, the Lord has kind of directed me towards, and that is this, and that is take every opportunity that comes your way to share the gospel. We, we have to warn people about coming uh, seriousness, and that's what I want to do tonight. You know... With Rod and Ryan, think about this for a second. They, let's say back when they were uh, they're driving the, the fire truck, and they, and they get a, a call, and they said, uh, go to such and such an address, there's a house fire. And so they go, they pull up, and they're fully engulfed, this uh, house on the roof, uh, fully engulfed. And they, sit, they still sit behind the, the wheel, and they're thinking, it's two in the morning. If I go and knock on the door and try to wake up the people that are in there, you know, maybe they'll get, they'll get upset with me. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't try to wake them up. That includes Robert, too. He's a fireman, too. We've got a lot of firemen here tonight. Um, what would you think about a person that would do that? That's what they're paid to do. They're paid to go in if they have to, they have to knock down the door to, get the, to warn the people, regardless of how those people will respond, whether you think that they'll be offended or not. That's not the case. The case is to get them out of the burning building. And tonight, we all have a responsibility to warn people about a coming judgment that is going to be upon everyone that re dies without Christ. And if we could turn to Ezekiel chapter 33. I think it's a familiar um, passage. Ezekiel chapter 33, starting at verse 1. And it says, again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coasts and set him for their watchman, if when he sees the sword come upon the land, 
he blow the trumpet and warn the people. Then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and takes not warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his own soul. But if the watchman sees the sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take away any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. Everyone here this evening and especially me, that has accepted Christ as their Savior, we have a, um, we have a need to heed what we just heard here, and that is to warn people about coming wrath of God. This this message is really, really hard to give, and it might even be really hard for you to hear. But it's something that I think that we all need to be reminded of, and I don't know of everybody's spiritual condition in this room. Like I've said before, there's only one person in this room that I know for absolutely sure is saved, and that's me, because I was there when it happened. I was there when I accepted Christ. So, but for those of you that are believers, we need to keep this fresh in our minds as to what is going to happen to a person who dies without Christ. And so if we can turn to Luke chapter 16, again, this is a familiar uh, story. Uh, I think it's a true story, a parable in, in the... Uh, the Bible, and we're, we're going to start at verse 19 of Luke chapter 16, and it goes like this, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham... Have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he's comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, 
so that they which would pass from thence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him, that is Lazarus, to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they would repent. And he said unto him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Let's just have another word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this evening and just pray that your Holy Spirit will be the speaker and not, not me. Father, you've given us your word and it, it is a warning to us. And to those especially that are without Christ at this moment, we just pray, Father, that your spirit will do the convicting work, not only in the person that's unsaved, but also in the person that is saved. That, Father, we will have the boldness to warn others of a future without Christ. So, Father, bless your word, we ask in your son's name. Amen. Um, so, why do we preach about this topic of hell? First of all, number one, it's in the Bible. And number two, as we just read here, that God demands that his servants deliver a clear warning. Or else they're going to be guilty of the blood of their fellow man. And I'll make a statement here, and it might be kind of confusing, but I believe it's true, and that is proclaiming hell is an expression of the love of God. And you say, how in the world can that be? Well, if God didn't love us, then he would just let us live the way we are living. He wouldn't say anything. He just let us go on and we get what we get. We get the wrath of God. But it's because he loves us that he warns us about this horrible place. We all, I just, I absolutely love when the little kids in Awana quote this verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, the message about hell awakens the soul to their eternal danger without Christ and it awakens Christians who may not be earnest about loved ones who are on their way there right now. General Booth, who is the founder of the Salvation Army, while he was teaching a group of young army officers in his organization, said one day, if I could put you in hell for 24 hours, you would never need another lesson in preaching the gospel. 
What sobering thought that is. And so there are some people that might even tonight even have turned me off uh, because they said, oh, I don't want to listen about this thing about hell. But maybe it's because you don't believe that there is a place called hell. It's interesting that some of those who reject the truth about hell are very ready, readily to uh, accept the belief in heaven. But the Lord Jesus speaks about the existence of both these places. In fact, he speaks more about the subject of hell than he does about heaven. And why is this? Well, because Satan is the master anesthesiologist. <laughs> it's a big name. He is the master anesthesiologist who dulls the mind of men, women, boys, and girls. He makes hell to appear something very normal and not to be afraid of. In fact, one of his lies is that hell is a myth made up by religious people to scare everybody into keeping in line. There's a lot of different ideas about hell. And I can remember many years ago when I was teaching um, up at Big Bear High School. And before class began, half an hour, hour or so, we'd go into what's called the teacher's lounge. Now, the teacher's lounge is a place where the teachers gather to get their courage up to face the day and face their, their students. That's what, that's what the teacher's lounge is all about. But as I was sitting there, I was listening to their conversation, and one, one teacher, Dick Burton, he's no longer with us, so I can I guess I could say his name. Uh, he said, man, have you been, and this is in the middle of the winter, he said, have you been in your room yet? And the other guy said, no. He says, man, it is cold as hell in there. And I'm going, cold as hell. And the other guy, one other teacher said, you know, I don't know what you got wrong, but in my, the heater must have been online because mine, mine is hot as hell. And, and I'm thinking, cold as hell, hot as hell. And then, and then one of the favorite uh, pastimes for teachers is to talk about their students. And they said, uh, hey, do you have so-and-so? No. Oh, man, he's dumb as hell. And then another person, yeah, but I've got so-and-so. Do you have her in your class? Oh, she's smart as hell. And I'm thinking, do they really understand what hell is really like? It's not dumb. It's not smart. It's not cold. But it is hot. You know, there are some that say that this life is all the hell that they're ever going to experience. And in one sense, we can understand that. But, you know, God made this earth a paradise for his creation of man and women to enjoy. But man rebelled against God and turned his paradise into some kind of a hell for multitudes of people. Because this is the hell that man made of this earth. It's not God's hell. It's man's hell. But, God, but the Bible does speak about God's hell, the hell that he's prepared. First of all, we need to understand something. 
Let's turn to Matthew chapter 25 to understand what about what is this about hell. And if we look at Matthew 25 verse 41, It says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. See, hell was never meant or designed for human beings. It was designed for Satan and his angels, or Satan and his followers. If we can turn to the back of the Bible in Second Peter Chapter 2 and verse 4. It says here, For God, 2 Peter 2, verse 4, For God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Because men have aligned themselves with the forces of uh, disobedience against God, they must join those angels who have rebelled. The Lord Jesus, the most loving, compassionate man who ever set foot on this planet, the, the same person who hung on a cruel Roman cross, and while they were nailing his hands and his feet, kept praying out loud for his Father to forgive his tormentors, this same Jesus is the one who speaks about hell. He doesn't speak about hell in a very vindictive way, but in a, in a way with a broken heart because of his tremendous love for you and me. What is hell like? Well, first of all, it's a place of reality. Because when we read that in Luke 16, 19, it says there was a certain man twice. There was a certain man named Lazarus, and there was a certain man called the rich man. These men were absolutely real men. They walked, talked, breathed, wept, loved, cried. But today, today, one is in heaven, and one is still in hell. In, ver in Luke 16:23, we read, "In hell." You know, some of these soldiers that have come back from the war in Afghanistan say that they have been through hell, and we understand what they are talking about, but. The situation there is that they went, or they had been through hell. And tonight, if there's anyone here in the sound of my voice, if you die without receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior, the one who loves you and gave his life to pay for your sins, if you die without receiving him, you won't be going through hell. You will be in hell. Um, it's a place of torment. There will be absolutely no relief from the pain for all the rest of eternity. As we read in Luke 16, 
we, we find out that the rich man didn't ask for a cup of water. Notice that. He just wanted Lazarus to dip his finger in water and bring it across his tongue. There are many people in hell right now that have, had, that have or they thought they had tons of religion, but they did not have one ounce of salvation. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 22. Matthew 7. There will be people, there are people right now in hell that are com totally convinced that God made a mistake. And as we read in Matthew 7, 22, it says, Many will say to me in that day, and that's on the coming day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You know what's interesting about that, that uh, statement of the Lord? Here's God who knows everything. He knows everybody. He knows everything. And yet he says to the, those people that rejected him, I never knew you. Which also gives us the thought that once we have accepted Christ as our Savior and we've been born again, the Bible tells us that God knows us. My sheep hear my voice, John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So if one time in your life God knew you, he could never say in the future, I never knew you, because that would make him a liar, and God cannot lie. That gives me so much. Uh, when I'm talking with young people, it's all the time, uh, well, I... You know, I did accept the Lord, but I, I just don't think I'm saved. Well, was there a time that you received him? If you did, at that time, God knew you. And he'll always know you. There won't be a time when that, well, he say, I never knew you. And then, so it's a place, it's a place of reality. It's also a place of separation. He says in verse 23, if we look, go back to Luke uh, 16 and 23 and he says and in hell lifted us and Abraham afar off and there is separation there there's a great gulf that's fixed you know it reminds us of that verse in Isaiah 59 verse 2 that says your iniquities are separated between you and your God so those people tonight who have not accepted Christ as their Savior, they're separated because of their sin. But God wants to bring them to himself. He wants to save that person. If tonight you're holding on to your good works or your religious heritage or anything other than simply putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, finished work on the cross, you are right now separated from God. And death 
will only cement that decision. See, when we die, nothing changes. Nothing changes. If you reject Christ through your whole life, when you die, God says, I'm going to confirm your decision. And so, some people say that hell won't be so bad because a lot of my friends will be there. Well, the problem with that is that uh, the only communication that we read about, the Bible says, is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's the only sound that you'll hear in hell. You won't be able to talk about a football game or a basketball game or anything like that. No. The only communication, the Bible says, the sounds of hell are weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. The other thing is, is that hell is a place of unanswered prayer. He, this rich man in hell prayed two prayers. The first prayer was, could you please send Lazarus and put his finger in water and put it on my tongue? That was prayer number one. Wasn't answered. What was the second prayer? The second prayer he prayed, Abraham, could you please send Lazarus to my brothers? I've got five of them. And they're on their way here. I don't want them to come here. That prayer was unanswered too. You see, people in hell have more of a compassion for the unsaved than a lot of Christians do. And that's tough. That's sad. So it's a real place. It's a place of separation. It's a place of unanswered prayer. And it's a place of abandoned hope. The rich man didn't ask for Abraham to send himself to talk to his brothers. He asked Abraham if he would send Lazarus. Why? Because he knew he wasn't leaving that place. There was no hope for him. Right now, you can have hope. Those of you, if there's anybody here tonight that is, uh, does not know Christ is your Savior, you've got hope right now. You can trust Christ before it's eternally too late. And the next thing is that it's a place of unquenchable flame. In verse 24 of Luke 16, he says, I am tormented in this flame. You know... The first year that I was up at Big Bear, my wife and I, in 1980, I will never forget that first winter. There was a, a freshman at Big Bear High. His name was uh, Joe uh, Vasquez. He was in the choir. And um, he and his uh, brother, he had two brothers, a baby brother and an older brother, and, uh, and his parents, and they were in a, a rented house. And for some reason, the house caught on fire. Could have been a space heater. We don't know what happened. Uh, at least I didn't hear what happened. <clears throat> the father and the mother and the little baby, which were downstairs, got out. And as they were standing in the snow, the neighbors had got around because the, the, the place was totally in flames. And they could hear the screams of Joe and his brother 
in the second floor trying to get out, but the flames blocked them. They couldn't go out the door. The windows were painted shut. They couldn't go through the windows. The father tried to run back into the house to save his sons, but the neighbors tackled him because the, flame, the, the house was completely engulfed. And they heard the screams and cries of Joel, or excuse me, Jose, until they didn't hear him anymore because he was dead. Hell is real. And it's forever. It never ends. Never ends. You know, Joe Reese talked about the Algonquin steel mill when he was living in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. The Algonquin steel mill is just outside the city of Sault Ste. Marie. And the report was of a steel worker at the foundry there. And his job was to walk along the catwalk and there was a, a gutter along the top that would funnel the molten steel into these huge vats. I mean, these vats were huge. They were over 12 feet deep. And, that, and what they, they would, they'd fill up with the molten steel and then they would be moved and uh, emptied into various ingots, you know, various forms. Well, this one worker, his job was before the steel started going down that, that thing, he was supposed to make sure that there was no uh, dried steel that would cause the steel to sp spill out on the ground. So he was supposed to go by and clear it all out. And, um, and you know, before the steel started coming. And he was kicking out a bunch of steel when he lost his balance and he fell into one of these big cauldrons, these big, huge pots. Well, he knew what was coming. He knew that molten steel was almost on its way. In fact, it was on its way. And he started running and he jumped up as high as he could to grab the top of the, the uh, cauldron to pull himself out, but it was 12 feet. And he just kept missing it. Well, all of this was reported because there was a crane operator up into in a little uh, office up there, and he, he couldn't get help fast enough. I mean, you can't stop the steel. Once the steel starts going down that gutter, it's not going to be stopped. And he kept trying and trying until finally he knew that it was over with. And he just laid down, coiled up into a fetal position, and the molten steel extinguished him in just a matter of seconds. For him, it was over real quick. But not for your neighbor, not for your loved one. It won't be over. It's forever. And we are the watchmen that God has said. We need to warn people we need to warn them that the wrath is going to be upon them unless they flee to Christ and receive his love and forgiveness. The Bible says, him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. So, finally, there's this unquenchable flame and you say, well, 
It, it, the Bible also says that it's the blackness of darkness. We read about that in Jude uh, verse 13. It's the blackness of darkness forever. And you say, well, wait a minute. Something's wrong here. If you've got fire, you've got to have light. Okay? And not only that, if you have fire, something's going to be burned up. There's going to be nothing but ashes. Well, we know of two incidences in the Bible where the fire didn't consume what it was burning. One of them was the burning bush that Moses saw in Exodus. And the other one we just talked about in Awana the other night, and that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were put into a fiery furnace. The only thing that burned on them were the cords that held their hands. But this, this fire will not give off any light. It's the blackness of darkness forever. When I was... Um, going to Cal State LA, I first started in the uh, automotive program and then I switched over to wood. But when I was in the automotive program, one of my professors, his name is Ray Fossil, they, he was a judge on the uh, Formula One uh, racetrack, Indianapolis and all these others. And he was telling us about one of the dangers that they have in the pit is fire. You know, what's, you know, we understand that. He said, the reason why it's so dangerous is because the fire doesn't give off any light. It's so pure that they could literally be on fire and you couldn't tell it by looking at them. And they would be running around screaming and you're going, what in the world's wrong with that person? It's because they're on fire. So this fire doesn't give off any light. You know, we first think about, well, the hot flame is the yellow flame. And then we say, well, no, the red flame. Well, there's even a hotter one, the white flame. I personally believe that there's a flame hotter than all of that that doesn't use up any energy on producing light. So as we... We end here. If, what are we, what's the message that we need to, to warn people about? Well, it's very simple. Romans 3.10 says, There is none righteous, no, not one. Every one of us was born dead. We were all born on that broad road, the Bible says, that leads to destruction. Romans 3.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So there's none righteous, no, not one. For all of us have sinned. We've come short of the glory of God. 1 Timothy 1.15 tells us, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Isn't that great news? <laughs> he came into this world to save me from that place that he created for Satan and his followers. And then Acts 16.31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Tonight, again, this was a very, very difficult message. 
But when I see these people in the stores and they're running around and they're in panic mode because of a virus that you can't even see, what is it going to be like for them one minute after they die? It's going to be a lot worse. It's going to be forever. We need to be serious about our responsibility as believers to shed, to, to spread the gospel. Let's just close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we sometimes just wonder how that this subject of hell could be preached by the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. But we know, Father, it's because of his tremendous love that he warns us about this place called hell. We know it's real because you said it's real. Father, if there's anyone here tonight who doesn't know Christ as their personal Savior, They've never repented of their sin. They've never admitted to you, Father, that they are a sinner and they need to be saved from their sins. And yet, Father, we know that your son came from heaven with one purpose, and that's to go on a rescue mission to rescue us from this horrible place. But yet, Father, we know that his desire is not just to save us from hell, but to give us heaven. He wants us to be with him and not with Satan and his angels. And so, Father, I pray if there's anything that, I, that was said tonight that it was of the energy of the flesh, please just wipe it from our memories. But, Father, we want to thank you for your love for us that you warned us about this place, that you not only warned us about this place, but you also reached out your hand of love to, to save us. Father, I pray for those that might not be here tonight, but we have an opportunity to share the gospel with them, that God so loved them, that he wants to save them, that, that you would give us those open doors and with this virus that's going around, Father, though there's so many opportunities to tell people that there's something way worse than the coronavirus. Father, we ask that you part us with your blessing now in your son's name. Amen.